Let's take our Bibles this morning, please turn to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 14, 2 Chronicles chapter 14, thank you for those who prayed this week for the funerals that took place, and of course on Tuesday was the memorial service for Betty Snively, and we pray that the Lord was honored, and for those that came and heard the gospel, I guess some questions have come back a little bit, and that's a good thing, and so would you pray for those that would hear that they might be saved? And then on Thursday, um, I guess all the staff, the four male staff anyway, we went down to Port Rowan to uh, the Smith family's uh, funeral there, uh, Lloyd's stepfather. And uh, I got to say, I was incredibly proud of Lloyd and Daniel, and uh, I I was shocked. One, I'm going to be honest with you, Brother Lloyd, you don't get up and talk a whole lot. You're a quiet fella. But he... He did the whole funeral pretty much. They had a, a pastor there that spoke for just a five-minute sermon, uh, but Brother Lloyd did everything else. He did a great eulogy. Uh, he emceed, kind of, I guess you would call it, and, and guided traffic and called people up. And uh, Daniel sang three specials, and, and uh, it, was, it was just phenomenal. I was, I was very, very proud of you. You did a great job representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was thrilled to hear uh, the testimony of how Daniel led his grandfather to the Lord. And so uh, that was wonderful. And so thank you uh, for being a great uh, testimony uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ and for our church. I was very, very proud to be your pastor that day. Uh, Every day, not just that day, but particularly proud, okay? (laughs) 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Well, I guess there's the untold story. There's a few that didn't make it today who got trampled in Black Friday sales, and I suppose they're home resting today, and so pray for them. Uh, anybody here get up at 5 in the morning or anything? Are our stores even open that early? No, I, it's just not worth it. But uh, some people do that. They enjoy that, and we did it one time years ago. We were down in Texas for Thanksgiving, and my wife's brother wanted to go Black Friday shopping, him and his wife and the, us, and so we got up at three or something, and off we went, and, and uh, then I had to do a couple returns later in the day, because you just grab it, and then hope, and it wasn't what I wanted, so I went to take it back, and they still had 200 of the thing I wanted, so it wasn't worth getting up at three in the morning, and the price was the same and everything, but anyway, uh, so boy, everything's so commercial now, isn't it? But I'm so glad that we have Jesus, and we will celebrate him this, this Christmas and lift up the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I hope you'll pray to that end and join me with as we do that. Well, let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 14. I'm going I'm to preach a little bit differently this morning. We're going to talk about King Asa, who took over when uh, Abijah died, king of Judah, of course, part of the divided kingdom. It's going to be an odd kind of thing in the sense that chapter 14 will be our introduction and chapter 15 will be our message. Roman numeral 1 will be chapter 14. Roman numeral 2 will be chapter 15. Roman numeral 1, we'll talk about Asa's godly character. All right? Uh, and, and chapter 15, we'll talk about Asa's great courage. But I want you to understand something today, and I, I try to be careful in doing this. I'm not here to preach about Asa. That's not what we do. I've heard preachers many times get up and say, well, David did this and David did that, so we ought to do that. Well, David also committed adultery and murder. That doesn't mean we ought to do it. And so we ought to do what God wants us to do. And so how did God deal with Asa? And we're going to look, first of all, at his character because it sets up the story. So I will talk about Asa a little bit. But when we get to his great courage in chapter 15, and we'll move very quickly through chapter 14, you will notice how God inspired them to live for him. 
I want to say today that before we even start, we have that same promise. If we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. And that's the, the promise we see echoed in this scriptures, and we'll see it throughout the word of God. But I want you to notice today in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, notice what it says. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. In his days, the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. So let me just give you some background so you can understand the timeline. The Bible says Asa became the king of, of Judah, the northern kingdom, or sorry, the southern kingdom. And as, as he becomes king, God gave them peace for 10 years. 10 years, no battles. If you read your Bible, that's pretty incredible in the life of Israel. There's a lot of skirmishes all around Israel. We would say today... That if Israel had 10 years of peace, that would be an amazing thing. And so Israel has always been hated. Judah has always been hated. And Asa was a king that did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. It says that in verse 2. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. So God gave them peace for 10 years. Here's why. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves. And so we receive from that that Abijah wasn't as stand up as his son. His character wasn't quite on the same par as his son Asa. Asa had some sort of revival take place in his heart. And as a young man, perhaps he said, you know, if I'm ever king, if God ever allows me to be king, I'm going to honor him with my life. I'm not going to do it like dad did it. I'm going to, I'm going to go and tear down the altars. I'm going to get rid of the idols. I'm going to do whatever it takes to do what's right in the sight of my God. Verse 4, and commanded Judah, this is Asa, to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandments. He said, well, how does he do that? How does he go into each individual house and say, here's what we're going to do? I, I would say that he restored the feasts. He would say, we're going to be very careful about the Sabbath day. We're going we're to follow the Lord and the law. We're going to do whatever God has told us to do as a nation. We're going to honor God. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a leader that stood up today and said, we're going to honor God. We're going to be done with abortion. We're finished with it. Somebody say amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a leader get up and say, we're going to be done with illegal and illicit drugs in our country. If you break the law, you're going to go to jail. We're going to be done with sin in our country. We are going to live for God and we're going to follow God. And, and obviously not every person's going to do that because we have a sin nature. But if we had a leader that would step up like Asa and said, I want to lead in this direction. I want to follow God and his word. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? So the Bible says that Asa commanded that the people would follow God, that they would seek the Lord God of their fathers and do the law and the commandment. Verse 5, also he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images, and the, image and the kingdom was quiet before him. Verse 6, and he built fenced cities in Judah for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Let's have a word of prayer before we read any more, and we're going to back up, and we'll just look at a few verses at a time as we quickly move through chapter 14. Let's pray. Father, help us today. I, I, I don't want to fall into the trap of racing through these verses and missing important points, but Lord, we want to move uh, to, to get to the, the, the message you've laid upon my heart. And so I pray that you would help us to perceive very quickly, help us understand the scripture that is before us. And Lord, that we might be able to receive from the word of God today that, that those principles and those points that you'd have and burn them deep into our hearts, we pray. Father, I need your help. 
So I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit and may the Spirit of God help each one of us. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in chapter 14, I I think you can already see in Roman number one this morning that we can see Asa's godly character. He was different than his father. There was a revival that took place, and not just a revival in his heart, but a national revival began to sweep across the nation. And we will see the extent of that in just a few moments. But as we think about Asa's godly character, we notice, first of all, a godly direction. In verse 2, the Bible says, And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. And it's one thing to, to covenant in our hearts and decide that we want to do what's right and we want to do what's good. And we're going to read our Bibles and we're going to pray and we're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. And we are going to dedicate ourselves. But there's also got to be an action behind it. It has to play out in our behavior. And so Asa began to put what he believed in his heart into his leadership of his nation. And he went out and he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places. And he broke down the images and he cut down the groves. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. And he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images. And the kingdom was quiet before him. Not only did he preach, he practiced he preached. He put into action that which he believed. There was a consistency, not just about what he said or what was going on in his heart, but what was playing out in his behavior. Boy, that, that's important, just a principle for us to learn. And though I, I don't like preaching on the, the acts or the behavior of men, I think we can see a pattern in his life that God has instilled because he sought to honor God with his life, his behavior followed. Look at the second thing we see. We see a godly direction, but we see also had a good discernment. Verse 6, it says, And he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000, and out of Benjamin and bear shields and drew bows, 204 score thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. So understand what is going on. The Bible says that Asa has committed himself to tearing down the idols, the groves, the high places of worship. The Bible says that God has given him rest. And for 10 years, he would have rest. He said, what does he do with this 10 years of quiet and this 10 years of rest? He says, let's build some cities with walls. Let us put up some high towers. The Bible says there in verse 8, he trained an army. That doesn't sound like somebody that's trusting God for peace. No, it sounds like somebody with some good discernment. Because he understands that the, the enemy is still all around him. And while we are sitting here and while we are resting and there's no wars going on, we had better be prepared for the day that there is because the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And friends, I think we understand as children of God, there are times where we think, boy, everything's going just fine and God is blessing my family and blessing our church. Let me say this, don't you take your armor off for a moment. Make sure you keep your shield of faith up because you need to quench some fiery darts from time to time. And Asa had some good discernment where he built some walled cities and he trained an army during a time of peace. And though we live peaceably, we often let our guard down. We don't pray like we ought to. We don't worship like we ought to. 
We're not reading our Bibles. We're not attending our, uh, taking care of spiritual warfare. We, we got to be reminded today that we live in the world. And Asa knew that Judah was at peace, but he was surrounded by the world. Surrounded by enemies and those who hated him. Verse 7 almost sounds like an oxymoron. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make up walls and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he hath given us rest. We have rest. What should we do? Let's build an armament. Let's build places of safety, places of refuge. The people must have scratched their heads and said, Asa, this doesn't make sense. But he had good discernment. You know, we sometimes take for granted what is going on in our families and our lives. Let me say this, don't ever let your guard down. Satan will destroy you in a heartbeat. Verse 9 through 15 shows us the prudence of Asa's wisdom. It says, And there came out of against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand thousand. How many is a thousand thousand? Does anybody do the math real quick? It's a million. That's a pretty big army, isn't it? We read in the Bible about armies of a billion, but this is a, back in those days, a million man army? Then the Bible says there's some chariots as well and horsemen. It says, uh, and, and there came out of against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand, thousand, and three hundred chariots and came unto Marisha. Then Asa went out against him and they set battle in array in the valley of uh, Zephathah at Marisha. And you say, how many did Israel have? I have no idea. Keep in mind, this was just one tribe. It was Judah. It was a divided kingdom. This was not all of Israel. It was just a part there might have been 100,000 soldiers, maybe two, I don't know, but not near a million. And the Bible says in verse 11, And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude, O Lord. Thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown that they could not recover them. They beat an army of a million people, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. And they smote all the cities about Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. Notice verse 11. Asa easily called upon the Lord. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean that he was spiritually prepared. He hadn't spent those 10 years of peace doing nothing. Instead, he says, we are resting on you, Lord. We're building walled cities at your command and we are training an army at your command because we know that Satan is lurking and that he will seek to destroy God's people. And so we are being prepared. But when it came time uh, for this army of Ethiopians to attack this million-man army, Asa was easily able to call upon them. It wasn't an emergency prayer. He didn't do what so many of us do. Well, Lord, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I've got this problem. Lord, this need has arisen in my life, and I know that I haven't talked to you since the last time I had a need. But here I am, and my hand is out, and I'm asking again, would you help me? 
But Asa was easily able to go to the Lord because he faithfully served God. There was a relationship that already existed, and God smote the Ethiopians. Now look at chapter 15, and here's where we want to get into our message. I've given you some background about this King Asa and his, uh, his character and how he followed God and served God. But look at verse 15, or chapter 15. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and he said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. He's speaking of Israel's enemies. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded." And here's the key verse that we'll look at today. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. I want you to notice, secondly, this morning, Asa's great courage. And as we consider verse 8, we see the Bible says he took courage. When Asa heard the words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, the Bible says he took courage. And his courage caused him to take another step and to act further. And I, I want to entitle my message this morning, Taking the Next Step. Taking the Next Step. Going to new heights, if you will. What would it cause us to take another step for God? Asa had making some steps already and some strides in his life, at some point he realized how dad is leading is not how I want to lead. I want to serve God and I want to, help, I want to be a minister of God for good and so I'm going to tear down the high places and I'm going to get rid of these idol worship and I'm going to do my very best to, to lead our people into serving God. War came along and God won a great victory for them over a million man army. And Asa was doing pretty well. And he could have sat back and said, you know, God's hand is upon me. Look what he did to the Ethiopians. And look how he has blessed my 10 years of being king so far. And I've had relative peace until this last war. And, and God has fought that battle and won that victory. And boy, what a wonderful God we serve. And he could have just sat back. But a prophet came along. He's saying basically this, Oded, be careful. Or Asa, be careful. It was Oded, the prophet. Don't be content where you are. As long as you're seeking the Lord, he'll be found. As long as you're going after God, he'll be with you. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. Asa could have said, well, I know that already. I saw it in the life of my father, my grandfather, other kings that have lived throughout the history of Israel. I, I know the stories. I know what they did, and I know that. You know, the truth is, we know that too. 
but how quickly we can fall away. How quickly sin can grab our hearts and lead us astray. We have to be, the Bible says that sin is deceitful. And Asa is receiving this warning, and, and, and notice what happens in his life. The Bible says he took courage. And he began to do more for God than he'd ever done before. He took another step. He took a leap of faith and he obeyed God. And I want to say three things today that I believe took place. Number one, he was inspired by a promise. Inspired by a promise. As much as Oded was warning him, he was cheering him on as well. Asa, you're doing some great things here. Let's keep going. Let's keep going for God. God has won a great victory in your life, and God is blessing you every day. Let's let's just keep going. And so he was inspired by a promise. Asa had already made some determinations in his life to do right, but now the prophet of God was coming with a message from God. And the prophet encouraged him to stay the course, and Israel's relationship with God could go to a whole new level. This promise inspired Asa to remove the abominations. Look at this verse 8 with me. And Asa had an army of men that were, or sorry, I'm wrong chapter, verse 15, chapter 15, verse 8. And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim. So what does this mean? Didn't he already do this back in chapter 14? No, he tore down the high places and he removed the idols from there. But now I believe they had kept them as spoils. You remember the battle that they just had with the Ethiopians. The Bible says they, after they defeated the Ethiopians, they went into all these cities where they were hiding, and they took of them the spoils of war. They took their false gods. Because they were made of gold and silver and brass and all these precious metals. And so they took those things and they brought them back into the city and they probably displayed them proudly and said, look at the spoils of war. Look at the victory God has won. And Asa woke up and realized God's taking no pleasure in having these idols in our city. He says, let's destroy them. Spoils are not worth having if they come from the world. Let me say that again. Spoils are not worth having if they come from the world. They'll influence your life. They'll destroy you. And Asa wisely woke up and said, we can't have these within the city. So he removed the abomination. It is likely those idols that they took as spoils of war, but now they were considered abominable. I wonder sometimes what things we have from the world that is keeping us from going to the next level. What abominable things are we allowing in our lives? Notice secondly what he does in verse 8. What God has inspired him to do. He says he has courage to put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim. And he renewed the altar of the Lord. He didn't just remove the abominations, he he renewed the altar. So what does that mean? It means he restored worship. He said, well, didn't he already do that in chapter 14? No, he made a covenant in chapter 14 that we will seek the Lord as a nation. We are going to keep the law as a nation. Well, what they had done... The people were only doing passively. But he says, no, we're going to restore sacrifice. We're going to bring the altar back. We are going to be a people that show God that we love him. Not just say it, 
We're going to renew the altar. We're going to have real worship. We're not just going to praise him with our lips. Our hearts are also going to be there. And so he's taking it to the next level. And I, I, I think of that and I think sometimes in my life where I get up and I sing the songs and I, and I praise God, but I wonder, is my heart there? We come to a place where we say we're coming in the house of God and we want to worship God today and we sing some songs and we go home and say, well, we worship today. Did we really? But is our heart there? This wasn't something that came easy. It took 10 years for Asa. For 10 years, he did what was right in the sight of God. But it was only after the prophecy of Obed that Asa would say, we can, we can take this another level. We can, we can do more for God. We can worship him in a greater way. So he restored the altar. We see that he was inspired by a promise. I want you to notice, secondly, the intrigue of the people. Verse 9. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin. And notice this. And the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they felt him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Strangers were those that were gathered with the people of his kingdom. Who were they? Well, the Bible says they were out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. These were other tribes of Israel. They were not of Judah. But they came. And it says they fell to him out of Israel in abundance. But why did they come? Look what it says. When they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Let me say this. People want to be where God is. People want to be where God is working. You know, I think it's so important. I, I know I talk about this a lot because I think it's, it's, it's of utmost importance. When we don't worship God right, why would he ever work in our midst? He knows our hearts. Worship's not about singing a song, it's about your heart. Asa wanted the best for his people. And as he began to renew the altar and he began to remove the abominations and those things that hindered them in their service for God, strangers began to come. Let me, let me just say it this way. The congregation began to grow. Because we're going to put God first in everything we do. We're going to worship him. Not, not just lip service, but with our hearts. We're going to renew the altar. We're going to talk about the blood. We're going to preach the word of God. That was one of the concerns of Oded the prophet. There's been no priest. He says, yes, you've done a lot of good things, but nobody's preaching the word. You need the priest. You need somebody to minister the word of God. You need somebody to, 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 to renew the sacrifices of God. That's the priest's job. So the prophet came and challenged him. He was inspired by a promise. And notice the intrigue of the people. Strangers from all over began to come. Neighboring states would come over and, and they said, Oh, hey, aren't you, aren't you our enemies? Hey, there's no enemies in Christ. But you're of Simeon, you're of Manasseh, and you're of Ephraim. Doesn't matter. We want to be with Judah because that's where God is. And that's where God is working. A couple of years ago, we had Pastor Clark with us for our anniversary services. 
Pastor Clark was trained by Lester Roloff. He went down for, he, he got saved and he was at a meeting and Lester Roloff was there. And that night he surrendered to be in the ministry as a young man. And uh, he says, do this for me. He says, would you guys, I just believe you should come down to Corpus Christi and you should work with me for a couple years. And he says, I'll train you. He says, you don't need to go to Bible college, just come. And so he did. And Pastor Clark will tell you this all the time. He says, Lester Roloff didn't teach me how to preach. He taught me how to worship. Because when you get worship right, preaching's easy. When God moves in, people want to be there. Let me encourage you, when God does something, shout it from the rooftops. You say, what's that do? It helps our church. Hey, there's a God over there at Bethel. Somebody got healed. Let's tell about it. Somebody got their heart right. Somebody got saved. Let's proclaim it. Because people want to be where God is working. I want to be where God is working. I don't know about you. I want to know that he's here. I want to know his presence. But I want you to see this. As a result, they invested in a purpose. Notice what it says in verse 12. Verse 12 of chapter 15. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Ephraim, Manasseh, Simeon, Judah, those strangers, they have come into Judah. They covenanted together. What was their covenant? We're going to seek God. We're going to seek the Lord with our heart, with our soul. That's biblical, isn't it? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. So they sought him. Verse 13, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death. Whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. I want you to notice this covenant, first of all, was scriptural. It was scriptural. Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 is what I just quoted to you. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. You see, what was it? It was simple obedience. No, that's what faith is. It's just obedience. That's all it is. Somebody will say, well, I believe faith is jumping off a mountain and just believing God will catch me. That's not faith unless God told you to jump off the mountain. If God tells you to jump off the mountain, then you'll do it by faith knowing he'll catch you. But to do it otherwise is foolishness. You say, well, I'm just going to go out and write a check and believe that God will put the money in the bank. You're a fool unless God told you to do it. Then in obedience, you exercise your faith. That's how you end up in jail, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Good night. That's how Christians get bad testimonies. Faith is believing what God said and obeying him, having the courage to obey him. He said, well, I can't see God. That's the point. It's the evidence of things not seen. When God burdens your heart. Notice, secondly, not only was it scriptural, it was serious. This was a serious covenant. Look at verse 13. I don't even know how to expound on this. That whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether it shall be small or great, whether man or woman. I don't need to expound on that, do I? If you're not going to be a part of this covenant, get out or you'll be put to death. We're not fooling here. 
we're going to seek God. So there's not a lot of grace in that. Well, it was Old Testament, amen? I'm glad we live in the new. Praise the Lord. But I, I just look at that and say, it was a serious covenant. I, I don't know how, how we would justify anything like that today, but I'm just saying it was serious. They weren't fooling around. They said, we're going to serve God, and we mean business about this. We're going to get rid of anybody that could influence our children. We don't want anybody around who's going to draw somebody astray. We're going to seek God. It was scriptural, it was serious, and it was sworn. Verse 14, it says, And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice, and was shouting with trumpets and with cornets. The word swear there comes from a word that means say seven times. When they swore an oath, they would repeat it seven times, the number of perfection before God. I will. Sometimes we get kids to write out lines in school. I guess we need to do it 700 times. How's that? Seven's not enough. But seven, 777 times, I don't know. But it helps us remember. In the Bible, when you swore an oath, you said it seven times. Even in a ketubah contract, which is a marriage contract, when they got married and when they gave their vows, there were some marriage ceremonies where they would repeat those vows seven times to their spouse. Not always, but sometimes. Because they're saying, we're taking this seriously. We want God to know we're serious. So we will say it seven times over. Notice verse 15. And all of Judah rejoiced with, at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. Listen. That's the key. You see, why does verse 13 stand out so much? They, they were going to put to death anybody who wouldn't agree. Because they said, we're swearing this with all our heart. We're not messing around. We're serious about our God. We have seen what he has done for 10 years. We have followed Asa's leadership and God is only blessed. And now Oded the prophet says, you can go to another level. You, you, can, you can serve God even in a greater way. And if you'll do the math, you'll see that for the next 25 years, they had peace again. The Bible says they didn't have another war until the 36th year of Asa. The first 10 years was peace. They had a war. And for the next 25, they would have peace once again. It was sworn with all of their heart. Now look at verse 15. We're almost done. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought it with their whole desire, and he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. Now look at these next two verses. Boy, it, there's just a couple more important things I want you to catch. Many years Judah would experience some peace at their borders due to their covenant with God. But look at verse 16. And also concerning Mekah, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it at the brook Kidron. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. Notice, first of all, a hard decision. 
In verse 16, it says, talking about his mother, Mekah, who, if you'll read the scriptures, you'll find out was really his grandmother. But in the Bible, a cousin could be called your brother, and your grandmother could be called your mother if it had to do with the genealogies. Mekah was his grandmother, and she was the queen mother, if you will. And so she had this idol back in the days of idol worship, and because Asa thought she is not a good example to our people, he removed her. You say, what is the point you're trying to make? Sometimes it takes some hard decisions if we're going to live for God. That that couldn't have been an easy thing. That was his dear, sweet grandmother. But she had been an idol worshiper. And Asa says, you're not fit to sit in the palace any longer. He says, we need somebody that's going to be an example to our people. Somebody whose heart is pure and right. And he made the hard decision. I think sometimes we need to make some tough decisions in our homes. It's not easy. But if we're going to have God as the number one in our lives, it's going to take some some pruning, some things in our own hearts. But notice verse 17, we see a hidden danger. A hidden danger. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect in all his days. So what is this saying? Did, Did Asa fail in some way? No. Asa was the king of Judah, not Israel. But the Bible is telling us here that he had removed all the high places in Judah. And those places where he had won a victory, Ephraim, Manasseh, and the the Ethiopian conflict, he he had gone into some of those cities, he removed their high places, and he took their idols, and he destroyed those idols, and he did all of that to honor God. But God is just warning him, don't forget, in other parts of Israel, there's still idol worship, and there's still enemies that abound. Don't let your guard down. Let me put it this way. In just a few minutes, we're going to leave the confines of Bethel Baptist Church and go out into the world. And I hope today there's no idols in your heart, but I guarantee all around out there there are. You you only need to go about 100 yards to the Walmart parking lot to see a whole bunch of idol worshipers. Worshiping the God of commerce and money on the Lord's day. You go just another 50 yards further and see the liquor store and see another idol. And up and down the streets of our city, we can see the wickedness that God talks about all the time in the word of God. I'm just saying there's a hidden danger out there. We got to be careful not to have it in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes. Asa had reformed all the idol worship in Judah, but there's very little he could do about the remainder of Israel. It's a reminder that sin lieth at the door. We too live in a fallen world, and we have battles every day. We need to live like God has given us a promise, and he has. He said this, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be that he'd take care of us, that he would keep us in this present world. Listen, it's, it's easy to come to church and look the part, smell the part, talk the part, sing the part, smile, raise your hands. It gets real tough on Monday morning sometimes. When you get around the water cooler and hear about everybody else's weekend, they don't want to hear that, hey, I went to church and worshiped God. 
I lifted up the name of my Savior. They don't want to hear that. They want to talk about their parties and their beer and their conquests. Be reminded there's a world out there. We need to have the Spirit of God within us and our armor must always be up or else we might lose. Let's pray. Father, help us. Lord, speak to our hearts. Thank you for the examples of Scripture of King Asa and how God blessed him and how God, how you poured into his life and taught him how to go to another level. And Lord, even though he was doing so well for all those years, he, there was still more. There was still another step he could take in his spiritual growth. We see the courage and the boldness because of the promises of God. Lord, we have those same promises. If God be for us, who can be against us? Lord, we know that if we do right, you will forever guide our paths. So Lord, I pray that you just bless us during this invitation time. Speak to our hearts and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. God has spoke to your heart. The altar is open even now. Maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know God. We could introduce you to him through his son, Jesus Christ. He paid the price for your sins, died on the cross, that you might have eternal life if you put your faith in him. What about a Christian? Are there some idols that we're holding on to that keep us from going to that next level for God? <clears throat> God has given you the same promise. Draw an eye to him and he'll draw an eye to you. If we deny him, he'll deny us before the angels in heaven. Do you know him today? <laughs>